What's up, guys? Welcome into a very special roundtable edition of Chargers Weekly as we react to the Chargers selecting Zion Johnson, number 17 overall. As always, joined by Matt Money Smith. We got our guys, Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Jeff Miller, LA Times. Guys, before we get into Zion, just SoFi Stadium yesterday. Money, I'll start with you. The vibe looked electric. It was incredible. I mean, I'm look. I people will say that I'm I'm biased and I'm trying to to be hyperbolic, but I did not expect that. You know, I expected it to be, you know, cool. Snoop's going to play, so there'll probably be a handful of people that, and by handful, I mean you know a few thousand people that come out. I did. I don't know what the number is. If I had to eyeball it, I would guess north of ten, maybe between ten and, and fifteen thousand people. I think were out. It was wow. five sections wide from the the field all the way to the top section. So. A ton of jerseys. Uh, we were, you know, Petros and I did the show um, there from right outside where the stage was. And we just had a ton of fans. I mean, God knows how many Justin Herbert jerseys were in the stands. They were everywhere. People were excited. It was it was really cool. Kudos to the to the Chargers for putting on what I thought was just an exceptional event. I heard Jeff tried to get on stage for gin and juice and was denied. <laughs> you, you couldn't get on, Jeff. Is that right? You dragged him out of there. Uh, for people who don't realize this, I'm in a walking boot right now. That would have actually probably been pretty funny if I had gotten up on stage hobbling around up there. I'm sure it would have uh, taken the whole uh, party to another level. I was stoked to see Popper out with DJ Esmeralda. He was in that leather vest, shirtless, dancing around. That was nice effort there, Popper. <laughs> I, I thought that was yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been working on I've been working on my dance moves. So it's paying uh, off. It's paying yeah, off. I, I appreciate that. I was practicing in front of the mirror for a full month so i'm really happy that the, that the practice go. came across to all you guys way to show up in the game you're a gamer you're a total yeah. gamer rising popper to the occasion rising to the occasion popper you that's, in, that's in my scouting report that's right yeah I, yeah I had, a, I had a great time um i was out there for snoop my question to jeff is what artists would have had to perform for you to get out of the photo room and go out there and listen to the music like who would it who, who did you, who would it have had to have been for you to get out there um, most of them have passed away by now. So, uh, <laughs> what about Bob Dylan? Like Bob Dylan? <laughs> are we talking about Bob Dylan? Are we talking about like you know, say like Beethoven walked out? Like you, you would have had to go, right? Uh, I was gonna say Perry Como, but I don't think anyone even knows who that is. Uh, I'm currently googling Perry Como. There you go. <laughs> oh, I've seen Bob Dylan several times. Uh, if it was Bob Dylan, I definitely would have gone out there. Yes. There we go. Well, Snoop is in the war room. Uh, maybe, maybe he made the pick. Maybe he made the Zion Johnson pick. Uh, well, let's just Coach get into Snoop. it, man. Number seven. Harry Como overall. signed with his record label in 1943. <laughs> if you're wondering, there you go. Yeah, that was Fun that fact. was one of the more recent ones that Miller could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, get us back on the rails. We destroyed the pods straight out the gate. We destroyed no, it. We can we can keep going down this rabbit hole. Like, sure. Just more of a too short guy. If you would, if too short was out there, it would have been a different story, right? Exactly right. <laughs> totally, absolutely, yeah. All right, Zion Johnson, guys. It's a name that I, I think we talked about a little bit, but it addresses a need. Um, there were some other guys that we've talked about extensively on this podcast that were there, guys like Trevor Penning and um, uh, McDuffie. But Zion, plug and play, probably for the next decade, Popper. Yeah. And, and we were talking about this before we started recording, you know, he's a guy who's going to slide in right away. And Tom Slosko said yesterday, 900, 2000 snaps, he's a durable player, strong. They feel like he, he's proficient as a, as a pass protector, great in the run game, comes from a pro style scheme at Boston College. They feel like the transition is going to be really easy. 
you know, his, his, his head coach was an NFL coach for, for close to a decade. His offensive coordinator was an NFL coach for close to a decade. His offensive line coach at BC is now the offensive line coach in Miami. Um, so you, you feel like the transition is going to be easy. So, so it makes sense in that regard. And if you look historically, you know, this is where plug and play guards have gone. And, and, you know, I felt like Zion Johnson maybe wasn't at that level of say Zach Martin, Elijah Vera Tucker, Chris Lindstrom, guys that have gone in, in the teens in previous years as plug and play guards, but obviously the chargers feel like he's that type of guy because they took him at 17 and, and, you know, the priority for the organization clearly since Brandon Staley has arrived is, is building this offensive line and, and creating protection, not only protection in front of Justin Herbert, but a unit that can be dominant in the run game as well. And, and it's clear two straight first round picks spent on offensive linemen, the, you know, before Brandon Staley arrived, the last time the Chargers had spent a first-round pick on offensive lineman was DJ Fluker in 2013. So it's a clear shift in philosophy, and I can't knock that strategy because you have to develop your offensive line. The only way to do that is to invest in it with high picks, and it's exactly what the Saints have always done. And that's no coincidence either that Joe Lombardi comes over here and, and Brandon Staley, a guy who's always admired what Sean Payton did in, in New Orleans before, you know, he retired. You know, they invest in their offensive line, whether it's Ryan Ramchick, whether it's uh, you know, Cesar Ruiz, Andrews Pete, all first round picks. Tron Armstead was a third round pick. So this is how he wants to build the team. And I can't knock him for going out there and and drafting a, an offensive lineman who's going to be able to play right away, keep Justin Herbert protected and, and improve the run game. Jeff, you know, four years ago, they draft Derwin James. He makes an immediate impact. And, you know, there's still, a, we got nine more picks to go, but you're looking for guys outside of the Khalil Max and the JC Jacksons and all the other guys they got on defense to make that immediate contribution. And I, I feel like this is a guy you're not going to have to wait on. Um, you're going to get that production right off the rip starting in week one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tom Telesco said it last night. I mean, he's the starter. There's no, I mean, this, he's, it's just like Rashawn last year, Rashawn Slater. He, he's the starter. He arrives as the, as the starting right guard. And unless something goes horribly wrong, he's not going to, but be budged from that spot and when when the gm especially tom telesco who is just is openly saying this guy is going to play 900 to a thousand snaps if he does what we expect him to do that's you can't get more of a ringing endorsement for a for a rookie than that and i mean this is an hour after they picked him so they obviously believe in this guy i think part of it might be you know pop makes a good point about you know he may not may not have the projection right now of some of these other guards uh, that have gone in that part of the draft, but he, he's, he's a late bloomer as we've, we've heard, right. He only played two years of high school football and really came on at, at, at Boston college. So I think the chargers probably view him as, you know, his ceiling is still, is still, you know, quite a ways up there. And I think they realize you get around, you know, NFL coaching 24 seven and around NFL players, 24 seven. And you, you're now he's going to be working right next to Corey Lindsley and, you know, we all know what Corey does and what he brings and his reputation. I think they probably look at it and say, man, this guy, as good as he is right now, as, as quickly as he's climbed to this point, if he can make another jump like that in the next year or two, I mean, he, they might have, uh, you know, they might have their right guard for the next decade. Money, we talked to Dane about Zion. He's, uh, he was Dane's top guard and just the durability. I think he played 58 games in college. He didn't miss a game, uh, had a bunch of starts at BC. And he was a zero-star recruit coming out of high school, Riverdale Baptist. So, I mean, the, the fact that this guy's only played a couple of years of high school, college ball, that ceiling is high. But we also hear the, the term high floor, right, Money, and, and that's kind of, I think, what we're getting here with Zion. 
Yeah, there's a, you know, a few things that I think we can revisit, you know, from we've been doing this every week, you know, through yeah. the whole draft process. And I think, you know, there's a number of boxes that were checked. Um, no matter where you pick, you can't afford to miss on your first rounder. And, and I think more and more teams you're starting to see, you know, and look, you didn't see it with the Jags, and that's why I think they're taking some incoming. But, you know, play it a little bit more safe and, and feel like, you know what, I'm fine taking a double. I'm totally fine with that. You know, I'll, t- I'll take six yards on first down with my first round pick instead of trying to get 15 and, you know, maybe having an incompletion in face and second and 10 to use a football analogy instead of baseball. So that's that checks one box. This is one of the safest, cleanest players in the draft Two, you know, we talked about at 17 and obviously the board felt differently. So there were a lot of the players we talked about. We said, hey, look, if one of the three corners isn't available, if the four tackles are gone, if the five receivers are gone, this is and you alluded to it, Pop. This is where the guard gets picked. This is where the top interior lineman gets picked, whether it's Andrews or Martin or any of those guys. You typically see it between 15 and 20 because kind of the the top tier of those different, you know, prime positions, offensive tackle, wide receiver, defensive, and they tend to be gone. And so if you want elite, you get elite at maybe a second tier position. So that comes into play. And then I just kind of think about all the games I've called you know, this will be my sixth year calling games for the Chargers. And I think about what's given them the most trouble. And it's always been stout interior line. When you when, when the Chargers have played teams that have had center two guards, it's always been a little bit tougher for Joey to get to the court. It doesn't sound right because the tackles are bad, but they're allowed to help and push out. And I just think about those Raider games when they had Incognito and Jackson and Hudson and just sort of the struggles and how that pocket stayed clean for Carr to just kind of get those quick completions off and, and move an offense. So when you now think about Filer, Lindsay, Lindsley, and, and Johnson, I mean, that's pretty damn exciting to know. And then you got Slater on one side. You can cover up one side. You know, you, 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 you need to get at least something that's not league average, but at least not a giant liability. And I know that's something that we're going to get to. But I, I'm fine with the pick. No question about it because of what it does for that pocket to keep the pocket intact with those three guys man that's impressive for Justin Herbert you mentioned just getting six yards with your first round pick how about just getting six yards on first down with Zion Johnson <laughs> right I'm, I'm serious just like he'll yeah. make the running game better we talked to Austin Eckler last night in Vegas who made that announcement that it's it's Chiefs charges at Arrowhead week two Austin's like listen open big holes and protect the quarterback I mean it, it, Austin loved the pick I know Justin's probably thrilled with the pick uh, but that's what I think this this running game kind of lacked is getting to second and, and third and short sometimes. And we talk about it on defense, but also offensively, you know, control time of possession money with just the running game and then let Justin do his thing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, and I think coach said it, uh, you know, coach Staley said it in his presser and Jeff and, and pop, I know you were there. He said, look, this is just a pick for Justin. It's a pick for Mike Williams, for Keenan Allen, for, for plays down the field, for Trey McKitty and for the tight ends. And, and now you don't maybe need to have two tight ends block. Like to me, guys, Jeff, pop, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a whole offense pick when you solidify the offensive line. Yeah. One thing I'll add here is that the chargers and, and Brandon did mention this, but they were really one dimensional in how they ran the ball. Like they could run the ball to the left side. They were so. dominant, absolutely dominant. And the numbers bear this out. I mean, they averaged 4.91 yards per carry on runs off the left tackle to the left tackle to the left guard on every other run. So from the center over to the right, they averaged 3.6 yards per carry. That's according to sharp football stats. Doesn't any, get any more blatant than that. They could run the ball to the left side as well as any team in football. And they were really average to the right side. And what this does is you bring in an excellent run blocker on the right side. And all of a sudden you can run the ball up the middle. You can run to that a gap in between the center. 
and the right guard even run in that B gap between the right guard and the right tackle. All of a sudden you have a much more balanced running game. And so when you need to run the ball and you're up late in the game, the defense is like, okay, they're going to the left side here. They have to go to the left side here because they're going to be running behind Rashawn and Matt Filer. It's okay. They can go any way they want. And that's going to open things up for this running game considerably. Yeah. Jeff, third down defense, hopefully was addressed with some of those picks and, you know, maybe the third down offense, you get the third and short and, you know, help the running game out as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're talking about last season and some of the struggles they had, and this was still a really good, good offense last year. So if you think of it in that respect, if they, they can shore up the right side of this line and they, they made a big move yesterday to do it, 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 you know, what does that mean for, for Justin Herbert and all his weapons? I mean, it's, it's, if you're a fan of this team, you know, Tom Telesco said it last night, it's not the sexiest pick to take a guard, but I, go on social media and try to find fans, Charger fans complaining about this pick. Everybody seems to be on board. I mean, the consensus is this is a great pick and all the NFL insider types are, are applauding it and saying this is a great pick. So I, I think when, the, I guess if you're going to be concerned about anything, it's just the fact that everybody seems to be, this seems to be a great pick by almost every measure. And, and uh, somehow a lot of these, these, sometimes these things that seem so great don't work out. But other than the fact that, uh, other than that, and just fearing the worst, I, I don't know. This seems like a great pick, and I, I, I get why everybody is excited about it. I I about that to, to pop, yeah, I would ahead. add to, to your point, you know, just think about one of the more enduring images that we have from last season. And in a game win and you're in, and you go to a, a place where you hung 44 and won by, you know, doubled, you know, 20 points in Cincinnati in the first round of the playoffs. What's one of the pivotal plays of that game? Austin Eckler, fourth and one. What do they do? They try to run behind the left side and the, the Raiders were just waiting for it, collapse that side. Well, when you have a two-way go, then, you know, now they can. And if you go back and look at that, that play, I mean, they are just stacked so heavy on that left side because they knew it was coming there. Well, now, you know, if you feel a lot better about running that way, they can't do that. The, the defense has to be more balanced. Yeah, exactly. that's a great point. Guys, take, take 17 out of it. Money, we've talked about these prospects at nauseum for the last two months. What did you make of the first round and everything that happened? In hmm. Well, you know, just as we did, you know, I do the post for NFL, uh, the YouTube channel and .com. And so I think the theme of our round one rap show was chaos. Just And it was just the thing that was so strange. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on with the NFL and wide receivers. Like what? How, how does Tennessee decide with where they're at right now and, and how that roster is constructed? The number one seed in the AFC, the AFC championship two years ago, and the going rate for wide receivers is what it is. You know, I mean, that, that's I'm sorry, but A.J. Brown, yeah, is he does he have some issues? Sure. But I mean, you know what the market is. I don't I can't figure out why that move, how that move makes sense for, for them. It just doesn't that I, I can't do the calculus. For that, you know, the same thing. And then in the meantime, you know, Debo's not happy. He stays in San Francisco. Um, you know, it, I don't, I don't, it, that's the hard part to reconcile. And I think you saw both sides of it, right? Jeff and Pop, you saw teams trading way up to get wide receivers because they don't want to pay guys 28 million bucks a year like the Raiders did Devontae Adams. And then you see teams trading their wide receivers because they don't want to pay them either. And it's just, it's a very weird moment in time in what is a pass heavy league where you feel like you need to have a dominant receiver to make any hay to go with your good quarterback. And, um, you know, I think that's, to me, that was sort of the centerpiece of, of what happened in the first round was the way wide receivers were traded a before the draft during the draft and then where they were drafted. Yeah. I mean, just look at what the lions gave up to go get a player who might not be ready till October. 
I mean, obviously- you know what's funny. So, so you know what? It's funny you mention that, Pop, because for me, like it was my it was my pick of the night. I thought it was a brilliant yeah. move because I, and and I see so many people giving them incoming. They're like, look at all they gave up. I'm like, okay, let's go through it. They gave up 32 to go to 12, so they right. net 20 first round spots. Incredible. What do they give up? A pick swap. So they move from 34 to 46, negative 14, and then they give up number 66. Like to me, and, and maybe it's because I'm a huge JMO guy. I, I was pining for him at 17. I just think he's going to be one of those special receivers. Like I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, if you disagree, if you thought that was a, a lot to give up for a guy with an ACL, you know, it was just like to me, I was like, yeah, that, that looks like good value. Yeah, no, I I was more saying at, like in the sense that of what you're talking about, like the how the value of wide receivers oh, right. are changing. Like when would you ever have seen that previously? Like a team a wide giving receiver. up a premium pick, a top seventy pick to go get a wide receiver with that's coming off a torn ACL. Like I know he's immensely immensely talented, and not, like he would have been a great pick for the Chargers at seventeen. I think he's going to be awesome, but I think it sort of it points to yeah, you know what you're getting at here, which is that the wide receiver market is a complete mess. How happy? are the chargers they got that deal done with mike williams right or the christian kirk deal came through because the christian kirk deal came through and it has been a complete mess since then complete mess buddy i'm with you i loved the lions going for it getting jameson williams because they're still they're still a couple years away man but you you pair brown, you yeah. pair saint brown and jameson williams i was actually shocked hawkinson don't forget like that that's, that's a beautiful three and in your backfield, right? You got Swift in the backfield. So, right. like, I mean, for me, the the Commanders leaving eleven when they could have had Jameson Williams or Alave. I know they picked up an extra third, but then they they go right before the Chargers, and then they get the six wide receiver in this draft. Yep. And, and John Dotson, I I thought that was. I mean, listen, that I think was a disaster is what that was. Yeah, I that mean, was a disaster to be able to get Jordan Davis or Kyle Hamilton or Jameson or Williams. Hamilton. Or, or Chris or Olave, or Olave. And, and you come out with dots. And look, I know, like, I know people that love him, that, that, but, but, but you come out with that and like whatever it was, a the third rounder, I think 87th pick or something yeah. like that. I just, I can't figure that out. I don't understand that. Jeff, what was your, uh, what was your gripe last night? <laughs> My gripe? I, I think I have to go with the uh, Patriots pick. Right. Everybody was kind of like uh, you talk about that was literally a strange pick. Right. And everybody kind of is like, what in the world? And we saw that we saw the Rams uh, brain trust their reaction uh, live. Uh, So that, yeah, that was just a classic, you know, head scratcher. Uh, And there there weren't a ton of those. I didn't think last night where you're really like, what in the world? I mean, there were some of the trades like you guys were talking about, but that was the one deal. I think, you know, the one pick where everybody was like, what in God's name was going on. So, uh, but who knows, you know, it's Bill Belichick. He's, uh, he's, generally he's done pretty darn well, you know, for the most yeah. part, drafting O-lineman. He's, uh, yeah. He is someone who has been able to identify. I remember when they said that about drafting Logan Mankins in the first round because he was an interior lineman out of Fresno State. And then next yeah. thing you know, the guy is just ruining the AFC East for a decade. Yeah. 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 If, yeah. If, I mean, Cole if Strange is an old pro next good. year, then, yeah. uh, then everybody's <laughs> eating a little bit of crow, right? And he's a good prospect. You look at his measurables and, you know, the guys he compares to, Joe Thune, you know, Ali Marpet, all these guys that are elite guards in the league. What I'll say here is, as far as my takeaway from the first round, the good organizations killed it last night. Like the organizations that are always getting great value came out of this first round with great value. Like the Eagles are one team are always getting great value. They made a ton of trades. They come out of the first round with Jordan Davis and A.J. Brown. Mm. Talk about the Ravens, right? A team that's always got 
It just the, the, the thing with the Ravens, it just it, it, it drives me crazy. It never it, like they don't move around. It just it just falls at Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton should not have been there. That's that's what killed me. Like I, if if you're the commanders, why would you not take, take Kyle Hamilton right there? Because you wanted an extra third rounder. Or Jameson right. Williams or Chris Olave. Yeah, no, the, the Kyle Hamilton going to the Ravens just that's classic Baltimore. And then Linderbaum just falling right. There. But again, you know that is as you guys all know. I mean, centers have always been weird. You know, in the first yeah, round. Yeah, but that guy's like that guy's yeah. like a slam dunk. Like he's right. going to be a great center in this league. And so you, you know, they come out with Kyle Hamilton, who a lot of people had ranked as like a top five player in the draft. Yeah. And it's like this is the overthinking that everyone does, right? Oh, he ran a four seven. He can't be a good player. Well, go watch him play. Like the guy's a he's stud. a step ahead of everybody. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't need to run four four because he's three steps ahead on every single play. And it's like just a, I was you know slacking with my editor when it was going down. It was like obviously Kyle Hamilton is going to end up to the Ravens at fourteen. Like obviously yeah. because good, good organizations always find that value. And the other thing is like, are the Jets going to be good? That was impressive. Like that, they were good last night. <laughs> and, and I was you know sitting with a I bunch. Mean, I was, you know, I was in the picks. You think? Go ahead, Jeff. I say, you know, you get three picks, right? You, you think you're going to do pretty well, but I was looking at that this morning. It's like, holy smokes. What a, uh, I mean, that, that whole, that whole franchise just turned one night last night. I mean, you think three I, of DJ's they, top nine guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just wonder like, how, how can they possibly screw this up? Now we know it's the jets and they probably will somehow. But <laughs> you look, you look at it and go, how, how can this go wrong? I, what what yeah. a night. I mean, it's I mean, every, it comes down to Zach Wilson, yeah. right? Every step for them worked out. The fact the Texans decided to take the chance on Stingley, so they get sauce. Then the Falcons want to build, you know, a, a room full of power forwards, so they get Garrett Wilson. And then, you know, word is that, that you know, Johnson's a complete a-hole and that he just failed almost every meeting. And, and it turned a lot of teams off. And they were like, who cares? He's a defensive lineman. We like guys that are a-holes. That's, where, that's the one <laughs> position where you need a-holes. And they jumped back in and, and got him at 26. I mean, it's like, like you said, though, Jeff, and, and it's, there's such a long way away, you know, in terms of, of kind of where they were and where they need to go, especially in a division with Buffalo now. And you know the Patriots, you know, look, they made the playoffs last year. So it's, it's still going to be tough. You can get excited about it. Congratulations, Jets. That was your Super Bowl. Enjoy it. And now, man, it's not going to be easy in that division. Money quickly. I want to ask you about Stingley because we like we had Rick Saratello on, and he was like, "Hey, listen, it's 50-50. He could go like top five, or he could drop to the second round, number three overall." We we had this Derek Stingley dream at seventeen, like he was going to fall, like Derwin fell four years ago. That was not the case. No, we said when we saw the pro day, we were like, "Look, that's it," because either. <laughs> yeah. A, he's going top five, or B, he's going to flunk a bunch of medicals and you're just going to take a risk and, and hope that he's okay because, you know, your doctors are like, well, hey, I guess you can roll the dice if you want because that's the only way he makes it to 17. I did, you know, I do the post show with Lance Erline, who's in Houston, and he said he was all over that about a month ago that mm -hmm. the Texans were just beyond enamored with that guy and, uh, and what they think he could be. All right, guys, final thing. Let's just go around the horn here. Um, I don't want to date the podcast too much, but hey, listen, nine more picks. Uh, what do you expect the Chargers to address um, over these next two days, Jeff? Well, there's still a lot of things, uh, a lot of depth things they need. I, I think uh, I'll just start with the third pick, I, the third round pick. I, I think uh, they'll go defense probably after going offense with, the, with their first pick. So could be a defensive lineman, could be a corner, you know, linebacker. Uh, but I, I, the good news is, you know, for the Chargers is they don't, there's no glaring, like, oh my God, they, 
you know, we, we know what the right tackle situation is, but beyond that, there's no, it's not like a, Oh boy, this is, they've got it. They got to hope they get this guy or, or they got to get a couple of these, and, you know, they can kind of, you know, they, they can kind of pick, uh, you know, look at their best available chart and just, just kind of fill in and try to try to get some guys who they can, they can maybe develop and, and could contribute uh, either offense, defense or special teams. Popper, maybe uh, maybe a trade into round two. I don't know. What are you giving up for that? I don't know. Yeah, your third and your yeah. fourth, I would imagine. Yeah, there's not not a lot of yeah. didn't seem like doesn't seem likely, but you know. Yeah, I think either you get future pick or the third and fourth this year, which wouldn't align to me with how Tom Suska usually does business. But I think like seventy nine, I'm thinking edge or corner. Um, you know, we were talking about before we started recording. Like they need they need one more piece at corner to really fill out this depth. Cause they're an injury away from Tavon Campbell, you know, starting football games, which, and we all saw, you know, how that went last year um, edge they're lacking depth. And I think something that's been overlooked is like, you got a 31 year old Khalil Mack and you've got Joey Bosa who, you know, has his concussion history and obviously has an injury history as well has missed games. And it's like, what do you have? If one of those guys goes down, it's Chris Rump. And that's pretty much it. I know they signed Jamal Davis in the CFL. So it feels like, they got to find another edge rusher. So, and it feels like they need, they need to invest in the defense at 79. I wouldn't rule out a tackle, but I think it's, it's going to be defense there. And then, you know, speed at wide receiver, running back, depth linebacker, um, maybe, a, maybe a safety as well. You know, those are sort of, those are sort of the positions that, that I'm looking at over the remainder of the draft here. Money. Yeah, look, I'll be specific. I don't care. I, I want I want Lucas at right tackle. I want Rodriguez at linebacker, and I want mm-hmm. my man Abram Smith at running back. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. Figure it out, Telesco. Put it together. Um, I think the linebacker is. We talked about this, Chris. I think that's like the most overlooked position because you know Drew has obviously had some some injury issues. I just think the defense is so much better with him on the field yeah. than it is without him on the field. Yeah. Um, and I know they play a ton of nickel and a lot of dime and. You know, I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I brought up Malcolm Rodriguez last week with or it was two weeks ago with Dane is, you know, he just looks like the perfect fit, you know, the the perfect fit for for what Staley does. Um, and and I think they still need a runner. I do. You know, I and I yeah. know and, the, you know, good news for them. None taken in the first round. Now, there could be a run here in the pardon the pun in the second round. But, um, you know, I think that could end up being your day three, fourth round you know, sort of pick. Maybe there's somebody there at their third round pick that someone's smitten with and they want to jump up and grab them. Maybe the quarterback slide a little bit and you can pick up a compensatory third and an extra fourth. And that's how you can maybe kind of, cause to me, like that's, it just seems like that's been the theme, right? Is the sweet spot of this draft has been like 25 to one thirty or something. You know, it's like the, the, the mid second to the, you know, the mid second to like the mid fourth is where people say there's just even grades on a lot of these players. So if there's a way to add a pick in there and sacrifice some of your back end, maybe or something or trade down a few spots, I'd love to see that. I think we're going to see a running back because we've talked about it. I, I think Tom and, and Staley have talked about the fact that they yeah. need to see that running back to uh, show out this year and they're going to have to bring in somebody. Um, it, it could be maybe today as we tape this or tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, yeah. Dane money mentioned the fact that edge is, is a deep position. So yeah, if you Very find deep. a guy in the third round, a corner in the third round, maybe that's a possibility. But yeah, should be fun, boys. Appreciate uh, you guys stopping in before we kick off day two. 
Jeff, give me a name, Popper. Give me a name. Who ends up on the Chargers over these uh, next two days? Just give me one. Right, it doesn't matter what round. Give me one name. Josh Josh Pascal in the third round, edge rusher from Kentucky. Danny Gray, wide receiver, SMU in the fourth round. Um, I think you go Kyron Williams. I think you go Rashad White in the fifth <laughs> round had, at running he back. Yeah, this answer ready. Jeremiah, of course. Oh, Let's get it. Jeremiah Gemmel. Jeremiah Gemmel, linebacker, North Carolina, is like the perfect, I think, linebacker. Like six-round guy. He's going to fall because he doesn't have the measurables. But, like, you know, team captain you know, high football IQ, high football character. The one thing I'll say about the linebacker situation, I know we're going a little bit long, but I feel like they're going to play more five-man fronts and nickel packages this year because that's something Staley did a ton of with the Rams, and I went and checked the numbers. 70% of his nickel packages, he had five-man fronts with only one linebacker on the field. Last year with the Chargers, because they had so much depth at linebacker, yeah, only 40% of their nickel packages had five-man fronts. So he was working with what he had. You add a little bit to the defensive line, play more five-man fronts, linebacker doesn't become as much – of a need um but i still think they'll they'll take one at some point and see uh, it's funny but that's why i like Rodriguez. like i we, we were talking about this last two weeks ago just that his diagnosis how quick he identifies runner pass and how quickly he identifies fits it's it was the best i'd seen and the only reason he's fallen is because he's small he's a small yeah. guy but he's just a tough little effort man he's a yeah. wrestling champ and just a fire hydrant of a dude yeah. um and that's you know that's what you get when when you get into the third and fourth and fifth round you get Okay, so what's wrong? Why wasn't this guy that's incredibly productive a first-round pick? And you got to figure out, okay, what are the things that we can afford to take a swing on and hope get you know we can correct with coaching or aren't as big of a deal as people are making yeah. them out to be? Jerome what about Ford. you, Jeff? That's my dude, got, Jerome Jeff? Ford. Jerome Ford. Ford. Give me your name, the, Jeff. Uh, the the guy I keep keep hearing it seems like everybody talks about this guy's naturally perfect is the Notre Dame running back, um, Kyron Williams. Yeah, Kyron Williams, Williams yeah. right. I mean, that's the one. So that that to me, I, I mean, I read something like, like a week ago, somebody saying that this guy is the perfect charger is exactly what they would you, you know, he's exactly he has all the skills, exactly what Joe Lombardi yeah. would want to have. So Maurice Jones Drew loves him. And he kind of reminds me of Maurice a little bit, the way the way he's yeah. built and, and the way he moves. Does the punt guy go in the third round today? No, um, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know. I think he goes fourth in the fourth, round? though. I think he goes in the fourth. I think he goes in the fourth. That would be – and then we're going to have a run on punters. Okay? <laughs> and then, then everyone's going to be like, oh, boy. We got to get Stout. We got to get Carmada. We got to get in here. We got to get our guy. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> I'm so, – I'm so happy we got that. Yeah, uh, every time, Harry. I'm fine not talking about it. You're the one that brings it up. I, I just – well, you know what? It's, you know it's, it's a, my trigger. I get excited it's, about punters. It's, it's your trigger, A, and B. It's a valid question because we keep hearing about Ariza and how this guy may be drafted in the third round and the third round's today. So, shoot, yeah. man, you never know. Do you have any requests for the press room music-wise? Before uh, uh, I, I want to hear, I want to hear some Popper uh, mixes. Popper EDM. Hey, money. Have you heard Popper's music? Popper makes music. EDM. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Oh yeah, he's like a Tiesto over here. Yeah, he's a, a Tiesto. He's a Tiesto. It's a little chiller, a little more underground than Tiesto. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what? I got, are you, I got like s- dubstep? What are you doing over no, there? No, it's like uh, technically it's melodic house. So I don't know is if you know who right? Lane. I don't know if you know who Lane Eight is, but um that's sort of that's sort of the vibe you know i used to be in the edm world the oh yeah yes the first uh the first artist i ever picked up when i got a job in the mech in the record business was goldie i had to pick up goldie from the airport and take him to the (laughs) palace for a halloween show that's Uh, awesome and i won't tell you what i had to do on the way there in order to get him to perform (laughs) 
<laughs> it was something I had to do personally. It was something I had to acquire in order for him to hit the stage. But yeah, I toured with Orbital. Uh, wow. I uh, I rolled with Tricky for a while. So uh, yeah, dude, Very back cool. in the day, I used to have to get on my pacifier and glow sticks and freaking follow Rabbit in the Moon. Can you, you go. Well, hey, come put Popper on. Come to the media you get Popper on? Right? Put him on, money. Exactly. Let's go get you. Dude, I, I had two 12s and a Vestax. I, I took my yeah. stab at it. it. It ended horribly. Yeah. I got <laughs> hey. two new ones I finished up. Is that right? Yeah. I got send, it, I'll send it over. Yeah. All Let right. I'll it. send it over. All right. Sounds it. good. Maybe it'll be our Chargers Weekly theme music this year. That's a good call. Yeah. That's Draft, Fest, that. great call. Draft Fest 2023. <laughs> Daniel Popper. I'll me? be there. I practice. My, my buddy's got uh, Pioneer CDJs. So I get That's... on there about once a week. Get a little three-hour mix in. Oh yeah, I'm 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 all in. That's the dream right there. Now that's the best part of the pod. I had no <laughs> freaking idea that when that when that when Popper gets home and he logs off all of his computers, he throws on a speedo, a cape, some like swimming goggles, and just. <laughs> these are the, these are the glasses that were to coach him. There it is, man. Look at that. <laughs> oh, my God. Now we got to end on punters. We end on Popper EDM. All right. Check Boys, out SoundCloud. I love it. Check Popper SoundCloud. This has been love Chargers it. Weekly. <laughs>